We have a change of subject this morning because at first I was scheduled to preach on God, the extravagant God of power, and then we changed it to accommodate something happening later in the, uh, the year, so we're going to talk about extravagant unity. And then when we were up at the prayer meeting beforehand, Chris, who hadn't quite come on the fact that things had changed, was praying about the God of power, extravagant power being at work among us. But then when you read scriptures, you realise that unity is the key to the power of God working through us. So the two are not divorced at all, but they are very much connected together because the word of God tells us that where brothers dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. And that life is the power of the Spirit available to each and every one of us to live the life that God wants us to live and experience the freedom he wants us to live in, not just in gatherings like this, but out there in the big wide world where we live. When we speak about the unity among the people of God, we're speaking about that deep unity which ought to reflect the unity of heaven. There is no division in heaven. When we look at the, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is no division between them. But this is not a sermon about the Trinity. It's a sermon about everyday unity that we need to experience more and more among us in order to see more and more of the power of God at work in and through us. God is the God of extravagant unity. And as we move into that extravagant unity, then we do have this promise. There will be the blessing of life forevermore. But when we talk about unity, what is it that unites us? Because you don't just go into a room and say, right, let's be united. <laughs> just word like that. It doesn't mean that you have 20 people in the same room at the same time and they are united. It doesn't work like that. You can take families, put them together at Christmas, sitting around the same table, and unity is not necessarily the result. <laughs> oh, I thought it was just us. <laughs> but that's a common experience, isn't it? You could put as many people as you like, or as few as you like, into a room at the same time. Unity does not necessarily come from that gathering. So we have to be united in something, for something, by someone. And this morning I want to explore, if we have time, I want to explore three things that we need to be united around. But the first is for us to recognise that as we come together as a community, we have that commitment to a common cause, or in our case, a common person, who is Jesus. Jesus has got to be the very foundation of our unity together. And when we look across a congregation like this, all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of educational achievements, all sorts of financial resources available. I think, what is it that holds us together? What is it that brings us together in a common worship? It's got to be Jesus. And this is why the church has a potential for unity that no other group on earth can have. 
But it is a unity commanded by Jesus, for Jesus, as we come together in him. But you know, it's very easy for us to talk about being united in Jesus. And there are many people out there in the world who would say, oh yes, I believe in Jesus. And yet what they're saying is very different from what we say. We're coming up to Christmas very, very quickly, folks. Parents with young families, you will know the countdown began probably about last January. But here we are now, in the last few weeks approaching Christmas, and we love the stories of the birth of Jesus. And there are many people out there in the world in which we live who are very happy with the story of Jesus' birth, the helpless child being born in a stable. But of course, when that stable appears on Christmas cards, or anyone to tell you, what you find is, it is the cleanest stable that ever existed. The sheep have been shampooed. <laughs> the floors have been cleaned, and you get the impression that every little bit of straw has been strategically placed. And you think, that is the Jesus many people will think of this Christmas. But it ends there. Because the Jesus many people believe in at Christmas, tell the story of at Christmas, doesn't go beyond Boxing Day and completely forgotten by Easter. It's almost as if you're talking about two different people, that the Jesus of Christmas is an entirely different person to the Jesus of Easter. And that's because I believe that as we look at the Jesus of Easter, the Jesus of Easter demands a response from us that we can so easily overlook with the Jesus of Christmas. Because the Jesus of Christmas is incapable of doing a great deal. The Jesus of Christmas is almost the gentle Jesus we can mind. Whereas the Jesus of Easter, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus demands that we respond to who that Jesus is. Is that Jesus alive forevermore? And that is what separates the people of God and the belief from Je of Jesus from the rest of the world. Do we believe that the Jesus of Christmas is the Jesus of Easter and has been raised again and one day will return. Colossians 1 tells us of this Jesus in whom we believe. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Why, wow, this goes way beyond the danger, doesn't it? But the Jesus of Colossians, the Jesus of the early church, the Jesus that comes in and transforms our lives, is the Jesus who holds everything together, the firstborn from among the dead, in order that he might have supremacy, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the Jesus in whom we believe. This is the Jesus who comes and transforms lives. 
You see, a dead Jesus cannot transform a life. It's a living Jesus who comes and challenges them. This is why people will turn their back on Easter will be very comfortable with Christmas. Because the Jesus of the resurrection demands, how do I respond to that message of resurrection? How do I respond to that new life which demands that I give myself to that life and find my purpose and my life and my relationship in him? Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, both the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. This is the Jesus we worship. This is the Jesus who is at work among us. This is the Jesus by the power of the Spirit who comes and brings new life to us. This is the Jesus who comes by the power of the Spirit and brings healing into our bodies. This is the Jesus by the power of the Spirit who comes and gives us purpose and direction in life. This is the Jesus of the resurrection. I once remember many years ago, leading carol service, and we got to the final hymn, and of course, what does everybody else expect in a carol service? You're going to end with perhaps Bart the Herald Angels say, or oh, come all ye faithful, which is what everybody expected. And I decided in that particular carol service to end with, Thine be the glory, risen the conquering soul. What's this? Because the Jesus of the stable is the Jesus of the cross. The Jesus of the stable is the Jesus of the empty tomb. The Jesus of the stable is the Jesus who's going to come again in all his glory. And guess what, folks? We're going to be united with him forever. This is the Jesus in whom we believe. The power to transform lives. Last week, at Chesley Street, a very privileged one, meeting Elizabeth. Elizabeth, will you come up here onto the stage? Being on stage is no great, uh, it's no, I'll get here in the end. I'll tell you what, Elizabeth, why don't you tell people why you are very familiar with being on stage? Elizabeth was an actress. <laughs> Met Elizabeth last week. So for those of you who understand where we'll speak, this is an inside joke, by the way. She's a very good friend of mine. He ain't got it. He ain't got it. But what I want to do is, I just want to allow and give time for Elizabeth to show her produce and introduce this video. Then she's going to share her testimony. Because this is a testimony of the Jesus who is alive and at work in the world today. And this is an, she is an example of the power of Jesus to come and transform a life. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Stay with um, yeah, so um, I came to faith uh, five years ago. Um, and at that time I was in a musical and I wondered what on earth 
God wanted me to do with my gifts and the platform that he's given me. Um, anyway, my church back in London made a two-minute video about this, so I just thought I'd share that with you today. Sharing that 
I became a Christian um, so I five years ago when I said I was an atheist. I didn't have any faith. My family aren't religious or spiritual, not my friends. But I was dating a boy. And he was Christian. And I only knew he was a Christian because he had a Bible, but it didn't really talk about it. But it got to the crux of our relationship two years in, and he was like, well, I always thought I was really a Christian. And so I was like, oh, Problem. <laughs> um, and it was really upsetting. I was very strong in myself as a person, and I thought, well, we're not going to be able to get married then because I'm not good at talking Christian with you. But at the time, I was still with a family, the only Christian family I happened to know, which again, um, and Anne gave me a YG booklet um, because I was telling her about it. And I thought it was really weird and it freaked me out a bit. I put it in my handbag and I was like, thanks very much. And I'm like, really happy. <laughs> and, um, and then I, I lost my voice, so I had to go off from the show and I had to go home for a week to recover again. And I think that was a very sad thing. So I was, because I was very bored and had nothing to do, so I thought, I'm going to leave that book that was in my bag. I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> and um, I was just going away and I did the booklet as to the facts about Jesus, that he was actually here, like this historical fact. I didn't know that I thought it was made up stories or was just something people wanted to believe to have a better life maybe. So the first thing was like, wow, okay, he was really here. He was here, that's fact and the story was on with Okay. Um, and then I was like, well, if he was actually here, then he was either like completely bonkers because he was telling everyone that he was the son of God, right? Or he was in the world. And that just blew my mind. Okay. And then I was like, if he was who he said he was, then I want this relationship with him because that would be immense. <laughs> God, that would be wicked. Uh, or he was evil bonkers. Um, so I guess I just started praying and I just sort of said, if you are there, I would love to have a relationship with you. It's been after two weeks, and at the time I was like, right, it's been two weeks, but it is. You're out there because you're not talking to me. And, um, but I, yeah, I think I just really opened my heart to that point and was like, I'm really, really, really good for a relationship with you. But, you know, I want, to, I want that to be a relationship. And then I had an encounter and it changed, changed my life completely. And um, I don't know how I did that without him. I'm very, very Read it. Good. 
It is an incredible introduction to the gospel. And you know, when it comes to relating to others, sometimes we find it difficult to put the gospel to words. This book does it for us. And consider the impact for Jesus. Someone given this to Elizabeth. There's not the book that. I mean, there's no coloured pictures. <laughs> it is the power of the Spirit at work as this booklet becomes an evangelistic tool in the hands of the people of God. I want to ask you a question. Just as Elizabeth has been sharing her testimony, is there anyone here, you, you know that there is someone you could give one copy of this booklet to? Is anyone here? Just as Elizabeth shared that, you thought, I can give a copy of that to just one, perhaps, let's just start with one. We can't get less than one. How many? Come out the front. Come out here. And now there are those who are so brave, you think, I wish I hadn't said that word. Just form a line, what we want to do with I think those. If we haven't got enough copies, there's more copies in the in the office, just on the top of the drawers, not many. Whoa, glory, glory. Just form big old line, right to that corner. Spread out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We don't want people up an here. I really did this in faith this morning, expecting about ten people to come out. Great one God does. Elizabeth! Come and assist us, my dear. I would like you to start just at that end and give everyone a copy. Ian's going to try and find some more copies. If by the time we get to this end we run out, it doesn't mean your salvation is in doubt. Right? It just means we've run out of booklets and we will get some more. Thank you, Lord. Right. Now, what I would like, we're going to have some congregation involvement here. I would like one person to come and stand behind each of the people here. So we really need you to so spread in a single line here. We have some more. Here we are, Elizabeth. A few more. We will order more booklets. Let's have somebody behind each person here. Just put your hands on their shoulders. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because what we want to do, if you haven't got a copy, just pretend you've got one for this particular uh, exercise. Please. We will get some more for next week. Just hold that out in front of you, because what we want to do is we want to pray over you as you give this piece of paper to a friend, a family member, or whatever, that God will use it just as he used that booklet to bring Elizabeth to faith. Because that's what we want. We're not talking about becoming members of a manual. We're not talking about that. We're talking about kingdom growth, people being born again into the kingdom of God through a living relationship with King Jesus. Yes? Yes. So put your just put your hands on one ask. Thank you, Lord. We're going to ask God to come and do an incredible work. In fact, Elizabeth, we'll ask you to come back up here and pray. Make your word here this morning. So let's, Father God, 
Listen, come on, let's raise our voices, folks. Pray for the person. Speak out loud. Pray for them. Ask for God to use this evangelistic tool for his glory. It shows you that this is what we are united in here this morning. A belief that Jesus is alive, that Jesus forgives sins, that Jesus has come in order that we might have a living relationship with the Father and have our life turned inside out, upside down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go. Hello. Hello, Jesus. <laughs> Father God, I pray that whoever this booklet is handed to, I pray that you would speak into their heart, whether that's they look at the front cover, whether they flip through it, whether they read it fully. I pray, Father God, that you would use this as a tool to speak into the hearts of every single person yes. with this booklet goes to. I pray that you would prompt the person that is holding the booklet right now to give it to the person, the chosen person that you want to read and see that booklet. It might be more than one person, it might just be the one, but I pray, Lord, that you would prompt the people giving out these booklets, Father, that they would just feel your God-given confidence to hand that over, and I pray that there would be peace in that transaction, Lord. And I pray that there will be excitement and that your Holy Spirit would be present in that transaction, that they would just be on fire for you, Lord, and that you would use this booklet as a blessing to many, many people. I ask this in your powerful, almighty, wonderful name. Amen. Um, a number of years ago, my brother, who was age 44 at the time, was desperately ill in hospital with heart failure. And I went to see him um, on the night before he actually died. And for the f- I'd never, ever been able to speak to him about Jesus. Never. Just couldn't do it. And he finally there, he was... He couldn't speak to me. And I had a booklet. It was not actually this one. It was a similar one. And it just had a number of steps to becoming a Christian. And I read it to him. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to put it on the bedside table. And then I left. Um, <clears throat> the following, well, that evening, he died. And um, I went to church. Uh, on the Sunday and a lady came up to me and she said are you Ross Clifford? I said yes she said are you the brother of Bruce Clifford? I said yes yes I am she said well I was his nurse and he said I have to be sure to tell you that he prayed that prayer and he went through those steps the moment before his death this is a very, very powerful tool, and it changes lives. Thank you, Ross. Thank you. Chris was able to find some more copies. We only have one person who has not got a copy for Roy. 
We will get you one. In fact, actually, I think we should get you ten. Shall I Just go. Oh, we've got, we've got one more. Oh, there we are. Everyone. Now, what we see here, what we've got here, we've got 40 people have come out in response to that call. Imagine what God can do with those 40 people who reach out in faith. I thought it was a very important thing from that place of peace. He doesn't want this to be a hassle. He does it from that place of peace. And say, it's almost like an introduction to a party. We're going to continue with worship. Just please just go back to your seats or stay where you are. Thank you, Elizabeth. Let's stand together. We are united in through Jesus. He is the only one who can transform lives.